Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, a podcast where we are re-watching Game of Thrones an episode at a time. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. Uh, and we're nearly there on season six. We're at the back half of season six now. Season six, episode seven, The Broken Man. Um, where's this season going? Again, I, they, I, I they just know. seem to fly, don't they? Yeah, they are, they are seem to motor now. We seem to have got past that bit we had in the first sort of two or three seasons whereby you had that sort of very early peak and then a massive slump in the middle before it picked up to that sort of you know, penultimate episode, which, I mean, this is going to do uh, again in a couple of weeks. But we seem to sort of get past that now. And now it sort of seems that they've got the pacing a bit better. Um, but this episode, I, there are bits I remember of it. Like I, I remember all the stuff with the Hound. But I thought, for some reason in my head, I thought that it was like a standalone episode. So a bit like you get in um, A Walking yeah. Dead. I, so did I. I thought it was it was that. I thought it was that we'll have this episode where we'll get the interaction. The outcome will be the same, but we'll have a lot more of him there for some reason. Isn't Don't that weird? The, the, yeah, there must be some sort of Mandela effect thing there because I did. I was quite surprised to see it pop up in this episode, knowing that we only had Lovejoy for one episode. Yeah, I was like, hang on a minute. I thought he had his own episode. Like I said, I thought he was like a Walking Dead style thing. Where it was like, and now we're going to spend some time with this character and then off him because I remember oh, at, the, yeah. at the time, first time out, I was like. Well, that was something and nothing. Yeah, um, I, mean, and I, I thought it was that. And then it was compounded by the fact that when I put it on, I as soon as I see the uh, the static and the HBO logo come up, I, I, I start skipping forward. And, and this has got a pre-credit scene. It's got this pre-roll. Got pre, this yeah. got a pre-roll. So I got, to, uh, I got to a minute 53, which is where I normally let it uh, let it play out. And Lovejoy's on the screen. I said, what the fuck? So then I wound it back. and Oh, right, okay. Now I've got to watch all that shit and then get to the uh, thing and then work out where my two minutes is from the time the music starts. Yeah, which I know I, sounds fucking easy. No, it's it's not a big thing, but it's just a pain in the ass. You, you know, you get used to certain things, don't you? Yeah, because that that caught me as well. Because we were kind of, as you said, we we're kind of straight into it. I don't normally um, fast forward the credits. I did when I was watching on Blu-ray. Now it's back on Now TV. I'm streaming again. Um, but yeah, I was like, it was straight into it, and I started questioning myself. I'm like, well, do we normally have? I'm sure we don't normally have a pre-credit scene. And then I was like, no, we definitely don't. No, so it's definitely weird. Don't. It's weird that they've decided to do it here. I think um, there's, I think there was one in the very in the pilot in the very first episode. There's one yeah. here, and I think there's one in the first episode of the next season because that follows on immediately from the last scene of this season. Um, the, the, what's weird about it though is that they've got this pre-credit scene, um, and like you know, yeah, it's Lovejoy, so great, okay. Um, but I mean, this really takes the cake on boring openers, doesn't it? Because they just well, yeah, it's fucking church. It's like, like this has got nothing to do with anything. Um, and then all of a sudden, like fucking hell, it's the Hound, and we're into the credits. Like that worked well. Yeah. But the opening itself was so boring. So I almost feel like we would be better getting this at the end of the last episode. Yeah. And to, ending to with feed the us hound. into this one. Yeah. So I mean, it, it works great. It's like fuck, it's the hound, and then you're into the credits because like last time we see him, we we'd left him for dead. Yeah. So so that worked really well. Um, but yeah, it just seems weird they decided to do this as a kind of pre-credits stinger, and then so so they do it, and I can only assume that it was just that they felt that this wasn't necessarily the opening of the episode. So they had to put it pre-credits because they wanted to open with something else. Yeah, um, maybe. So then we get the actual opening of the episode and they basically they get their second attempt at, at an opening and they still fucking botch it. <laughs> so I don't really know why they've done that. <laughs> I really don't. No, no, it's, I mean, it, for what it is, it's, I mean, yes, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice little aside from all the rest of it. And it reintroduced down, but, they could have just had him fucking pop up somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I like I mean, it. I, I like this stuff, but it's pointless. It doesn't go anywhere. Um, well, that's the thing. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's pointless. I think it's, I think it's actually really good. It's his, it's his own nice little self-contained story, and we get to spend some time with the hound. And I like all of that. I like that we do some character work with the house. What with the hound? What I don't like is that it, it is all compacted into this one episode. Whereas it feels like it feels like we're trying to get the hound to a place and we get him there at the end of the episode. But it feels like it should have been a longer journey. It feels yeah, like we needed, we needed this stretched out over maybe two or three episodes rather than condensing it all into one. Or like you said, it did need to. And maybe that's why I thought it was standalone as well is because it does feel complete by the time we get to the end of it. But I feel like it either needs that kind of longer form um storytelling that you'd get from a full episode yeah or it needs to be stretched out a bit what the hell just happened because you broke my ears 
Sorry, um, I, I must have accidentally um, pressed my thumb in on my beer cans. So when I put it down, it's popped back out. Hey, kids, alcohol is bad, okay? Um, Fuck that. Yeah, no, it's really yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I've, I've, just, I've just picked my can back up and it's round again, so that must have been it. Sorry. So apologies to everybody whose eardrums we just blew out. Um, yeah, we're not going to edit out, though, because that's like effort. No, we're not. Hell no. Um, so, so yeah, it, I, I like it. Um, I, ju- I just think it's... It's poorly paced. Uh, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think for me, I think pointless may be possibly a bit harsh, but I think for what we get, it doesn't. I don't. I don't see that they needed it. I think they could have reintroduced him in a million other ways, which didn't need that. If they were going to do it, and I, I agree, it needed more. It needed fleshing out, and that's why I think it's kind of pointless because they didn't do it justice. And you're going to get the point of saying, well, okay, well. We had five minutes at the start, five minutes at the end, and that's kind of it. And if you wanted to do that work, we know we want to know what happened to him in that in the two years he's been missing since no since um, Arya left him for dead in the side of the road. We want no, we want to know that, but we don't get that anyway. So well, fuck it. Well, what's the point? We're just gonna get on with all the other shit that's not not happening in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it's so much that I want to know what's happened in the last two years. Um, no, but see, if, if we're gonna have this, then we kind of need that to go with it. I, I don't even know that we do. I think I think the problem is that that we have this, and it's it's very much set up of like there's this conflict, sort of being set up between you know a man of peace essentially and the Hound, and there's this thing of like Ian McShane letting on that perhaps he wasn't always a man of peace, you know, and perhaps he does understand where the Hound is coming from. But there is another way, and it and it feels like what this needs to be. I, I mean, it's it's your, your classic kind of just shell-shocked war vet hero story basically it's it's rambo is what it is okay it's the hound struggling to fit into this peaceful society and just not being able to do that and trying trying to adapt to their ways and trying to be a peaceful man and actually getting to the point where he's quite enjoying that and thinking okay i can leave all of this behind me but then actually you know, as as is his fate just death comes a call in again and he has to pick the axe up and go out fighting you know but the, the problem with it is we, we kind of, I, I get that, but I only get that because it's a trope that I'm very familiar with because actually what's here doesn't take us on that journey. I don't think he goes far enough towards renouncing violence and renouncing no. fighting to be able to, you know, for it to take the effect it does in the end where he picks the act up, axe up and he's like, right, fuck this, you're all dead. Yeah. Because he's never not been the hound. Mm, now yeah. maybe that's the intention, you know. Maybe I'm misreading this. Maybe the intention is that just no, he is the hound, and he's not listened to anything that Lovejoy said. But if it, if that's the case, then yes, it's entirely pointless. I think it's more that the intent was for us to go on that journey and for us to maybe try and explore some conflict there with him. Um, and I would have been absolutely up for that, and I think it would have actually been a really good story arc for him. Um, unfortunately, they just, as usual botch it completely mm. um, which is a shame uh, but but nevertheless you know to, to go through the episode we open with that i mean we've jumped ahead and talked about it in broader terms i think but we open with that we come back in we get a second attempt at an opening and we still fuck it up yeah um and then when we get back to to love joy again then we, we start getting all of this fucking horrible awful clumsy exposition yeah. and uh, they're fucking lucky it's ian mcshane is all I can say because anybody yes. else would really fuck this up, but he is just so naturally charming that he manages to get away with it. Yeah. Um, because you know, we've got lines like, When I found you, I thought you'd be dead in days. Uh, well, he knows that because he was there. Yeah. Why are you telling him this? Yeah. Like, this nobody talks like that. <laughs> nobody no. talks like that. What are you doing? Like, the only other person in the show that could possibly get away with this is is Tyrion like yeah. that's the only other thing you do is give this to Tyrion he's not here so we put it on Lovejoy instead and thankfully he's he's got enough chops and enough charisma and screen presence to pull this off yes um having said all of that he's clearly sleepwalking through this oh uh, god yeah he's not he's not making an effort at all is he no I mean we talked about this in the um in the, the book uh, episode didn't we whereby yeah, he, yeah he's just getting paid for this this is a job yeah yeah he's, and he's, he's like collecting Whoa. a check so yeah, bigger show on the planet. Yeah, whatever. Keep one of my lines. Really, that's it. Oh fuck it. Yeah, I'll I'll make it work. And look, he's no stranger to getting paid. See also Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. You know, <laughs> he's no stranger. And let's not forget, you know, for all you can bag on about Deadwood and all his other his other roles as much as you like. For all of that, he's still fucking Lovejoy. He will always right? be Lovejoy. So he will always be Lovejoy. So he's he's no stranger to shit. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> 
trying to remember, he was an antique dealer, wasn't he, Lovejoy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was basically fucking David Dixon, wasn't he? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically what he was, to the point where like they even kind of look a little bit like each other. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's basically what it was. Wasn't he? And wasn't it? Was it Guernsey or Jersey or so? It was one of them. Wasn't it? One of them. He yeah. Was on, he was on an island somewhere. Uh, I fucking hated Lovejoy. I really hated. Lovejoy. I, I, was... I never really watched it. The only association I have is it used to be on on lunchtime um, on BBC One. So, like in school holidays when we'd say with my grandparents, it would be on after lunch. And if we'd come in late from, no, we'd be out playing all morning. So we'd, we'd come in late. So we'd have lunch late, so we wouldn't go out till late. As we catch it then. I don't remember much about it. Did he have a motorbike and sidecar, I think? Or that, are, you, are you thinking of Boone now? Oh, it could be. I don't fucking know. A Boone was uh, fucking ace. Lovejoy that was Michael was Arthur, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but Lovejoy, just, you hit the nail on the head there when you said you, you watched it or you saw it at your grandma's house. Like, same for me. Like Lovejoy is an old person's afternoon yeah. show. Just like Crossroads. Yeah, and all of the other shit that, that you hated when you were a kid. It's just one of those shows that's on that you have to suffer because you want to watch cartoons. So yes. never really fucking liked Lovejoy. Um, anyway, no issues with Ian McShane. I, I do think, you know, when he's, I, he, he does, he, when he's on, he's yeah. fucking excellent. Given, given the fact that he didn't want to fucking be there, he, he did a good job here. Yeah, he did. Uh, as I say, he, he just about manages to hold it together with his exposition because it's fucking horrible. Um, but then when you, you get him doing his sort of, you know, sermon or whatever, no, whatever it is, um, when he's talking to people about you know, the fact that you know, he used to be, you know, he was your robber, he was your arsonist, he was your murderer, all this sort of stuff. Again, it comes across really well. Oh, yeah, that's an excellent scene. Um, that, that's it's, just, it's, I'll... it's a really good scene. The the three guys who ride up, the one in the middle, I recognise him, but I can't think, I think where from. Not sure. Um, yeah, it bugged me when I was watching it yesterday, but not enough for me to actually go and look, go and do anything about it. Um, but yes, I mean, it, it's the, the stuff is it's it's nice. It just I, I don't feel it goes anywhere. Yeah, it, it's bizarre to me as well that they actually we talked about this um, when we we talked about having Richard E. Grant as well a couple of weeks mm. ago. Like it, it it's bizarre to me that they they've gone for Ian McShane for this role. Like you could you could cast anybody on the planet, and you don't need the star power. You don't need to pay the salary. You don't need the stunt casting. He's not a fan. So it's yeah. not like he his agent was banging down the door saying put him in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, why go with him? I don't. It's weird to me. Uh, yeah. Weird casting choice. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does not... seem a bit uh, strange. I mean, just looking to see if there's anything about it. Um, anything about it written uh, on the wiki page doesn't seem to be. No, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not complaining. As I say, I think for what he's got to do, he's very good. Um, you know, he, he could be exceptional if he actually was bothered. Yeah. Uh, but he's not, and I'm not going to hold that against him. You know, he's he's doing a job, he's getting paid, and that's fine. Uh, we get what we need from him. So, yeah, that that sets up this storyline, and then we're over to spend some time with Sparrow and Marjorie. Um, yeah. I'm I'm fucking bored of them already. Now we had we had that brief sort of dalliance with them where it was looking quite interesting, and Marjorie yeah. put the plans in place. Now I'm fucking bored again because the Sparrow just fucking bores me. And also, it's been a while since I've called them out. For their disgusting attitude towards women, yeah. um, but this is one of the worst in a long time. Uh, Congress does not require consent on the woman's part, apparently. Or yeah. Effort, I think, is the word, isn't it? Is it effort? They say something like that, or desire? Con desire. Yeah, that's it. Desire. Congress does not require desire on the woman's part. Yeah. Fuck right off. Like, look, look, you've sailed. Well, you haven't sailed close to the line on rape in this show. You, you. Pissed over the line. I was going to say, as far as the line, goes the so, line's a dot. Yeah, like, but but to hear it just spoken out loud, it just it's just even worse, isn't it? To hear somebody physically say that basically it doesn't matter if you want it or not. Yeah, right? if, you, if you're married, you, you, you take you're it. Gonna, yeah, you, you're going to have it. You, you don't um, need to want it. This is just part of being a woman. But the, the stupid part is, again, it, it comes on the back that she's no. I mean, and again, who wants to hear them fucking reciting scripture? Yeah, like, seriously, is. what? Who cares? But they're no, they're talking about. The, the mother and where where a woman derives her strength. So you know, a mother a mother drives her strength for this and a, a wife for that. So they're talking about this and no, and on the back of that, then it's okay. Well, yeah, it doesn't really matter if you know if you want it or not because he's your husband, so he's going to give it to you. And oh, by the way, sort your gran out, otherwise she's going to get it as well. Yeah, I mean that's that's my next note here is like, yeah, what a fucking like like he's, what a fucking he's, prince this guy is. Yeah, he, he's wound me up nonstop, but. Like, yeah, A, what a prince he is for threatening her grand, but also, like, yeah, 
have a go at that. Threaten Elena. See where that gets you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you you might you might think you're all high and mighty, but you you've just been you've gone for the low hanging fruit, mate. Like, <laughs> go yeah. and have a pop at Elena. See what happens because she nearly took you out a couple of weeks ago if it wasn't for fucking Marjorie. So you know, yeah. let, let's see where that gets you, mate. You know, and then you get the exchange which says, "All I have to do is whistle." You know, and yeah. it's, it's finally somebody saying it, you know, somebody's just like, fuck you. Um, so, yeah, just what an absolute twat he is. Um, we do get we do get some nice work in that scene, though, between Elena and Marjorie. You know, as I say, the, the like, all I have to do is whistle. You know, finally, somebody is fucking saying it. Yeah. Just, um, but there's some really nice work with the sleight of hand at the end of the scene as well. Yes. You know, where, as I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, Marjorie's clearly playing a game and that. That has been evident, I think, to us. I think it's evident to all of us watching it. But just in case, and this is really good storytelling, I'll tip my hat to him for this, just in case, just in case you have missed it the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And things are getting hot and heavy with this storyline now, and it's about to wrap up. So they need to make absolutely sure that you're with us and, and you're on the page. Just the handing of the rose over to Elena, just that little sleight of hand of like, no, it's okay. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I'm still with you. Is really nicely done. Yeah. Um, Really well shot as well, you know, the way we get that sort of snatched close-up of her just sort yeah. of comes close. And you don't see her do it, you just hear it get passed yeah. into her hand. Yeah. Just really, really nicely done. I thought that was really good storytelling. Yeah, and then you get it as well. So when um, no, Elena obviously realises what it is and she said, she's like, all right, I'll go. And they, there's, there's a very quick hug. And again, Marjorie over her shoulder. She, this, this, you know, this sort of visage, this mask that she's wearing for a scepter, another for the sparrow and for Tom and everybody else. It just, for the, you know, for half a second, it cracks. And yeah. again, it's just, uh, from um, Natalie Dormer again, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, Natalie Dormer, look, I, I, I loved her first time out and I sang her praises as soon as she appeared on the show. I remember way yeah. back when she first popped up, I was like, hooray, you know, here she is kind of thing. But, Really, like in in rewatching this stuff as well, like I, I don't think anybody's ever said anything bad about her, but I I just don't think she's given the props she fucking deserves. For no, this show. Right. like everybody sings the praises of the rest of the cast, and it's almost like she's the one that gets forgotten about. But she is fucking phenomenal. Yeah. She is. I think, so I think the problem good. is that she, because she she didn't come into it until season two, and then she was kind of a bit part for a while, and then by the time she actually got anything to do, they then stuck her in jail for half a season. Mm. Um, so you, you, she never really got the chance. No. You never really got a chance to to really bond with the character or to see what the actress could do, and I think because of that, because we had eight four seasons of Sophie Turner and Maisie Williams and Mayna Hedy, um, and eight four seasons of uh, Kit Harrington, people remember those a lot more clearly. Whereas Natalie Dormer, she's like, oh yeah, too, and then you see her in something else, go, oh, wasn't she in Game of Thrones? Of course she was, because everybody's in Game of Thrones. But was she? Oh, I don't know, I can't remember. And I think unfortunately for her, that it's just her character didn't have didn't have enough time or enough to do. To really cement her the way the others were. I yeah, mean, maybe you're right. Yeah, she is a she's kind of a B part, isn't she? Really. So. Which is a shame, right? Because I think she does a phenomenal job. She's she is far and away the best thing in most of the episodes where she gets something to do. Like yes. I, I, as you say here, she's exceptional and she doesn't need dialogue. It's just her presence is so <laughs> overwhelming. Um, she, she's fucking phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's all good stuff. Like like that scene with Elena. Just didn't like the stuff with the sparrow before it, but the yeah. payoff with Elena I thought was really good. Um and then we're over to spend some time with John and the Wildlings, which is always good. Yeah. Um and just great stuff from Tormund here. Like Tormund's he's been coming into his own slowly for the last yes. season or so now. But you know, having him just step up and take charge is really good stuff for him. You know, we rallies him up around John. You know, he died for us. If we aren't willing to do the same for him, then we're cowards. Yeah. You know, just really really nice and cementing that relationship between the two of them as well i really loved that scene i thought that that did a lot for both characters and for the relationship and even the giant you yes. know when the giant is just basically like yeah all right fair enough but you he's know? always kind of been like that hasn't he and it, it's the, the way they use the giants in this show is quite interesting because they they present them as being like you know massive weapons these absolute beasts but in reality they don't say a lot and no. they, you know, they, they they're kind of passive until something happens yeah. And it's only then they really know they really come into their own. It's quite funny. I, I like the way the giants are presented. Yeah, me too. Like they're, they're clearly, as you say, they're clearly intelligent. You know, they're not these big lumbering oxes. Yeah. Um, it's just they, it's kind of almost like they're just these creatures of few words. But when they do decide, you know, most of the time their actions speak louder than their words. When they do decide to speak, it counts. You know, like here where everybody's not sure what to do, and he's just like snow. 
and yeah, he's and fucks off. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. He's <laughs> giant in, so we may as well help. Like, well, that's and you had the same with him at hard home as well um, in in the last season, whereby nobody really wanted to get involved, nobody wanted to know, and then he's like, ah, fuck it, whatever. And all of a sudden, everybody was in, and it, it was, it was the same same sort of thing there. And then to a point where again, he's he's he waded out and pushed the boat out to get them yeah. away from the shore so the um, the Nike couldn't get them. So again, that's all really good. I, I really liked that. I thought that worked really well. Yeah, I, I yeah, he's great. Everything about this scene's great. I love it. Um, I, as I've I said numerous with... times before, I love anything to do with John and the Wildlings. It's yeah, just, I mean, it's the real it's story. Just... Yeah, and the only thing I did think was a bit of miss here is that there was no need for Sansa to be in this scene. None at all, and even less need for her to make her presence felt. If anything, that kind of... Even if she'd have just been in the background, it would have been fine yeah. for her attempting to actually speak up. Unless, you know, maybe they were going for something to show the difference between her and John. but if if they were... But you, get actually... with, um, you get that at Bear Island later anyway. You do, and all I think all they actually achieved... By putting her in this and, and having her speak up stuff is, is actually it weakens her character, if anything. Yeah, because yeah. she's clearly out of place here. This is not where she belongs. You know, this is this is for John, you know? Um Yeah, this isn't Lords and Ladies and, and, and nobility. This you no, know, these are savages for want of a better phrase. Yes. Uh, and it, and I think if anything, it weakens her because you know, as, as a noble and as a lady, she should be able to politically at least understand when it's time to let somebody else do the talking. Yeah. Um, but you know, she she clearly hasn't worked that out yet as a leader. Um and, and we see that again, as you say, in, in Bear Island, um when later on. But uh, yeah, so that's a good scene. Then we're over to Elena and Cersei sparring, which is just top notch. Look, it's overwritten to high hell. And it's it it's more than a little heavy handed but you just go with it because the two of them together are just fantastic but just I mean, to, barbs to be amazing. fair even though it even though it is overwritten and you do get this um nice status paradox roger lennis sat down writing not really given her the time of day cersei is looking down on her but she's very much losing this this fight um that's really nice uh, but even though it's overwritten the two of them deliver it with such a plot you think you don't really care yeah, no, that's exactly yeah, that's exactly where I'm going. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't. I mean, it took. I when I I didn't remember the scene from first time out. It's a it's a something and nothing scene, really. Yeah, it um, is. apart from the fact it looks as though Cersei might actually be thinking, I can't do this on my own. Knowing full well it's Cersei, so she's got an agenda to it. But Elena's not buying into it, and she's not she's not rising to it. So that's good. But yeah, I mean, just the way the the way the two of them uh, interact in this scene, I could have I could have sat there and watched this for an hour and be oh, easily less than I was with the, the episode. I don't Easily. think it's a particularly bad episode. No, 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 do I? And I agree with everything you just said. You know, that's kind of what I was getting at when I said like, it's overwritten and it's heavy handed. But the two of them are just so fucking good. They've got so much energy together. Um, and, and the characters as well. You know, they, they both understand the characters so well that, yeah, I, I could I could watch them go back and forth all day. It's absolutely fucking great stuff. Um, but, you know, if we have to cut away from them, then. I'll, I'll go with Bron and Jamie instead. It's great yeah. to see those two together again. It's been yeah. a little while since we've had them on screen together, and just instantly they just click back into place. They're absolutely fucking phenomenal. Bron's moaning about what he hasn't got, and Jamie's lording yeah. it over him. And then we we just get to I think one of my favourite moments of the episode. You know, I mentioned uh, was it last week or the week before how much I just fucking love smug Jamie Lannister when he's really yes. confident and smug. He's brilliant and. And here, when he's when he's just explaining to the guys in the siege, you know, he says, let's say I threaten to hit you unless you shut your mouth. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And I just highlight again, just the slight difference between Jamie and Bron, you know, where Bron's more likely to just walk up and just clobber him one and go, shut the fuck up. This isn't a siege. It's a disgrace. Yeah. Jamie dresses him down first and he does it with a shit-eating grin on his face. He, he does, but again, he does it in such a condescending way. It's like, um, I said, oh, no, Lord Jamie, we didn't know you, we didn't know you were here. Well, no, but you fucking should have. So you've just let 8,000 men walk past your defences, you idiot. Yeah, he's... And it's, just, it's just no, there's no messing around. There's no cordialities. You fucking bellend. I've had to clean up your mess. Sort yourselves out or I'll fucking kill, I'll kill you, kill you as well as the fuckers in the castle. Yeah, Doesn't he's... bother me one bit. He is phenomenal here. It's just, it's great writing, great character work, a great performance. It's everything, everything a scene needs to be. It's just superb. Uh, Excellent. Uh, Yeah, just, I I just had a massive grin on my face throughout the whole scene. It's it's little, the way he delivers it. Let's say I threatened to hit you. It's just phenomenal. And and this is, I mean, it made me laugh as well, because obviously, you know, he, 
the, the guy starts mouthing off, so he just backhands him with his golden hand. Yeah. Which is going to, no, that's, that's not just a slap. That's not, that's clobbering him with a blood object. With a blood object, that's gonna, yeah. That's going to break his face. Yeah. But he I, doesn't care because he's that care. fucking stupid to get out of my way. Doesn't care. Yeah. A, he's that stupid. And B, he's Jamie fucking Lannister. He can do what he wants. Do yeah. You know, he's back out there now with an army at his back. He's Jamie fucking Lannister again. Like, he's not hes not some guy who's been captured and now he's hes sort of running around with Brienne or anything like that. Like, he's he's got a Lannister army at his back. He's in command here. Like, he's cocky as all hell, and I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so, yeah, really I'll, like I'll that. I will say on that, actually. I mean, the, the fact that it, it speaks a lot to his character as well, how far his character has developed. Because if you think back to when he was held captive in season two, when the Starks had him, and he was in a cage, he was dirty, he was covered yeah. in shit and all the rest. So he said, no, no, I'm not for, I, I, no, I'm, I'm a man of honour, I'm a man of principle. Clean him up, give him some food. I don't yeah. care if he's your hostage, give him some fucking food, unless you want to join him. Yeah. Because, you know, again, we, we see that you know, now that he's been in that position himself, we don't know what he would have done before, but having been in that position himself, he want, he knows how he should be treating people because that will have an impact. So even, even if the siege goes to shit, at least you know, he's not mistreating people. Nobody, nobody else say actually he's a cunt because he did this. It's it's like I've been it's, saying since day one. You know, he's he's always true to his character. He's had this experience. You know, honor is something that's incredibly important to him as well. So it makes perfect sense that he would do that. You know, he's yeah. he's always you can always follow Jamie's narrative all the way through. I think he's got one of the most solid and complete arcs in the show. You can always follow where he's been and where he's going, um, and that you can't say that for many of the characters in this show. No, no but especially can, this far in. Yeah, but you really can for Jamie. Um, and it's part of the reason I like him so much. You know, even yes, he can be an absolute cunt sometimes, but you always know why. There's always a reason behind it. He's not a cunt for cunt's sake. He's not Theon yeah. Greyjoy. Yes. You know, um, he does have honour. And, and you know, that's a big part of his of the drive behind his character, the fact yeah. that people perceive him to not have honour. It's, well, yeah, yeah, the whole thing of you know, stabbing the king in the back and all that sort of stuff. And we talked about that, I think it was season three, wasn't it, when he was in the yeah. uh, the bathhouse with Brienne. Yeah. You know, and so that, 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 he, you know, he's, he's well aware of how people see him, and he, he kind of has to play to that. But as you say, from day one, he's always been right, this is what I do, and this is the line I'm following. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, loved everything about the scene. Uh, we'll get some more stuff there later on, which I enjoyed yeah. as well. Um, but I, th- I think then we get on to the the best scene we've had in a long time, actually, the next one. We get over to Bear Island. Yes. And, um, I mean, like, he, just here's Liana, and she's fucking great, and she? I love yeah. Liana. Um, my mother wasn't a great beauty, just cutting through the shit straight yeah. away. You know, they, they're trying to butter her up. Yeah, and, yeah. and they did, she said that a few times. So, so Sansa tried to butter her up. Oh, no, you were named for my aunt, who was a great beauty. And she said, well, my mother wasn't a beauty. She was a great warrior. Then John starts, oh, I knew your un- your uncle. We, I served with him, this, that, and the other. And she just says, look, let's cut the small talk. What do you want? Yeah, and, and that shit, all works. Get on with it. And that really all well. works really well as well. You know, this is this is how you do exposition. You know, we, we understand who she is and the relationship that she has to the Starks through these throwaway lines, seemingly, from yeah. Sansa and John, which feel natural in the flow of conversation as well, because it's the first time they're meeting her. So they're trying to kind of just win favour and stuff like that. So it makes sense for them to say, for, to say things like this. Yeah. It lets us understand the relationship. And we learn about Liana straight away because she just bats it straight back in their face. She's fucking ace as a character. She really is. She's absolutely she is. fucking ace. Yeah, um, and I, I was really pleased to speak to read the caster in Last of Us as well. Yeah, that is some fucking top-notch casting, not just her, yes. but um, Pedro Pascal. Pascal as well. Yeah, yeah, who, I mean, you know my feelings on him if you've listened to this show for any length yeah. of time. So, yeah. I think it was yesterday I read it. I was, uh, I was quite pleased with that. Yeah, that's that's some really solid casting. But um, this isn't the Last of Us podcast, so no, we'll... maybe by the time that comes out, we'll finish this and we can crack on with that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think we we handle that history briskly. We handle it with humour. It's just it's exactly how exposition should go. So, really happy with all of that. Um, and then, you know, the scene plays out well where they all try and talk around. It doesn't work. And then Davos steps up to the fray. And I've said it where last time he did this as well, when we were over with the Iron Bank and things like that, like every now and again, most of the time, Davos is this quiet presence in the background that just gently nudges people in the right direction, you know, and he's kind of a moral compass more often yeah. than not. Sometimes I feel like he's kind of almost meant to be our cipher in some regards. Um, but every now and again, they just give him something to sink his teeth into. He steps up the phone. You start to understand that, like, yeah, actually, that's right. This guy was a fucking great smuggler. So he has to know how to talk to people. It's yeah. part of his job. 
Like he has to talk himself out of situations and he has to be able to charm people to get what he wants. And he's absolutely phenomenal with his speech in this scene. Yeah. Really, really good. It's well, the speech is well written. It's impactful. Mm. It's, it's, it's very well. earnest as well, which I mean, we, we, yeah. we tend to expect that from Davos. But the whole thing is that when he introduces himself, he says, don't bother asking your maester about my house, it's new. Because, you know, again, he, he he knows very well that if if anybody knows who he is, is they know him as a smuggler, not as a yes. knight. So yeah. fuck it, the card's on the table, look. I used to be a smuggler, but yeah. this is what this is what I'm doing now, and this is why I'm doing it. And you, 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 there's always the risk there that um, in being honest about what's coming and why they're there and why they need your help, you know, that the, the dead are coming and all the rest of it, you always run that risk of people are going to look at you, what the fuck are you talking about, you drunk old bastard? Yeah. Um, so, but the fact he's just so so completely honest, look, I don't know, you'll think what you like of me anyway, and that's fine. You, you know, you'll make your own judgment, but this is what's happening, and he just lays it completely out on the table to a point where. For all the education and all the experience that Sansa has had of politics and nobility and all the rest of it, and all the dealings John has had with the Wildlings and with the Night's Watch and all the rest of it, their upbringing means shit because yeah. they can't talk to people. Who, you know, they can talk to other lords and ladies of you know, who might be their age or older, but actually talking to a child who's been thrust into that position because her parents you know, fought for Rob and ended up getting killed, that, no, that they can't do that. They don't have the ability to do that because they don't have the... At this stage, they don't have the humility to do that. No, no. Whereas, yeah, you're right. Davos absolutely does. And he also has the skill in negotiation from his background as a smuggler. And as I say, we've seen him do it on occasion in the past. And every time he does it, I just, I think it's it's brilliant stuff. You know, to just see what is normally, as I say, this background presence, this advisor almost just step up the front and go, no, it's fine. You fuck this up. Let the grown-ups talk. I've got this. Well, Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly what it is. You know, it's let let the grown-ups talk now. You know, and and he does a and, superb and, and, job. And of it. The, the, yeah, and then you get the nice payoff as well, where where they're like, you know, yes, you can have my forces. Oh, how many men can we expect? Sixty-two. 60, yeah, and they end the scene well, beautifully so, as well. You yeah. know, off the back of that, which is sixty-two inches. Yeah, we haven't got many fighters, um, but, but they're, they're all they're with ten mainlanders. And... Yeah, and then Davos just spins it back around again, just showing. You know, they've tried to charm her this entire scene, and everybody's failed. But Davos sticks the landing perfectly then, where he just gives her a, a little cheeky smile and says, well, if they're half as fierce as their lady, then the Boltons are doomed. Yeah. And it's a, just a lovely end to the scene. Like, Davos just sticking the landing perfectly. You know, if if this was a superhero film, this would be your three-point landing right here. Yeah, Do you know definitely. what I mean? It would just be like, yeah, icing on the cake. Here it is. If they're, if they're half as fierce as their lady, the Boltons are doomed. Perfect yes. landing to the scene. Just start to finish. Soup to nuts and an absolutely fantastic scene. Yeah, just, just yeah, textbook. Everything about it. Everybody's performance is on point. The writing is brilliant. The blocking is is pedestrian, but it works. Everybody I, sat down or stood in place, so you understand yeah. where everyone is in the scene. I, I was going to say, I think some, sometimes though, I mean, I think it's there's a lot to be said for for being pedestrian and stuff like. That. If you try, sometimes you try too hard. And they've done it in this show many times. They try too hard and they fuck it up. Yeah, so, I, I, so you know, I, I think it's by just saying, look, you're there. You're there, go. Yeah, go. I think in this instance, you know, there's there's very little action in the scene anyway. Um, and, you know, that let just let the writing and the performances speak for themselves. Just yeah. turn the camera on and let them do what they do. Just yeah, let I mean, them capture it. Because the temptation would have been, yeah, the temptation would have been to have somebody, you know, if you had, you haven't got the characters there, but, you know, you'd have a Varys or a Littlefinger or a Tyrion-type character who's pacing back and forth like the Imperi fucking Mason. And in front of a jury, and they're trying to convince everybody, and it's just really annoying because it's unnecessary. And we've seen it in in this show before, especially with Tyrion's trial. You don't need it, and this is again we, we talk about this all the time. When they get things like this right, when they get the basics right, and they don't overthink it, they don't try to overcomplicate it, they do them very well. It's just when the little brains, the little cogs, start turning. Oh, what if we did this? What if we did that? Without actually needing to, and they end up buggering it up. Yeah, we've said it several times. You know, it is the film school mentality, isn't it? Of like, oh, but let's just try it. Why don't we, let, let's just try shooting it in black and white, shall we? Let's see what it looks like. Let's try shooting on film. Let's without any thought as to whether a it's going to be more complicated. B if you can do it, and C most importantly whether it's fucking needed. Yes, because exactly. if it isn't, then don't do it. Simple. And this, this this comes to your problem when you're when you're driving creative forces, also your production management, because what they want they get, and I think that was alluded to in the book as well that there were a couple of things which. People say, look, we don't need to, and they went, no, we want to do that, so let's do it. And it's only in the end where people say, look, we don't need it, and actually we can't physically do it. They then ended up backing down, but there's, you know, there are a lot of things which they have tried and they've just fallen in their asses with. 
Yeah, yeah, completely. So, but you know, this this is one of those times, as you say, where they just everything's on fire, and 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 it just it's it's as good a scene as we've had in the show. I think it's absolutely excellent, mm-hmm. and and introduces a new character. Yes, and in, and initially just straight away sets her up as a force. Yeah. You know, like straight away, we know that she's somebody that's going to be important and she is not someone to be fucked with. Yes. Uh, so really, really good stuff. Then we're back over with Jamie and uh, we get the greetings between the two. Kingslayer, Blackfish. So yeah. apparently we're using our made up names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> to borrow a line from Marvel films. Um you know, but it, but it again, it sets up the relationship between two of them really well. You know, he could have just said, "Ah, Sir Jamie." No, straight away he's looking down on him, which he literally is from his ramparts. Ah, Kingslayer, just straight away putting Jamie on the back foot. Yeah, um, the showdown again, between them is great. As we said, the showdown's really good. It's really atmospheric. We've got the bit beforehand where Jamie's at the edge of the um, the edge of the drawbridge before it comes down, so he's looking over the water, which is fucking horrible and. You know, and he, he, again, just sets up the scene really nicely, and then you get you, know, you get the bit where you get you know, the portcullis comes up, the drawbridge comes down, and Blackfish is there, swarmed by about thirty fucking blokes, and Jamie's there on his own. Yeah, says and, a lot for both characters. Yeah, you know, um, and, and yeah, the, the showdown as well. Straight away, again, Blackfish is already disrespected by showing on Kingslayer, and then he comes up and says, "Ah, the Kingslayer." I must say, I'm disappointed. Like straight away, just doing everything he can to chip away, just psychological yeah. warfare, chip away at Jamie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it does a lot to make the Blackfish credible straight away. You know, like yeah. we've we've heard the Blackfish, we've seen him once or twice, but like this is the first time he's been presented as a real threat, as, as, as an actual character. And I think again, yeah. he, he's, the way he starts as well as a, I seem to remember you prom- you you made an oath to my niece, but yeah. I don't see Sansa anywhere. Yes. And again, again, it's just chiding him straight away. You made a promise, mate. You're that fucking useless. You can't even bring a little girl here. Yeah, yeah. It it does a lot to set him up straight away. Um, And then, you know, Jamie just really not rising to the bait is the thing. Yeah, that's that's what I get from Jamie in the scene. It's like, okay, you can go me. But I know that I've got the better trained army. I've got more resource if I need it. I'm certainly a better fighter. I've got brawn with me. So, like, look, have your fun. Do what you like. And he says, oh, you know, we've got enough food. We can wait you out. And he's, again, trying to play the psychological warfare. Yeah. But for Jamie, it's just like, well, all right, mate. Look, I tried again. Yeah. Doing the honourable thing, like, look, I tried. We'll have this yeah. conversation. We've had our parley. We yeah, had well, because you had earlier, didn't you, where he says, oh, yeah. I, I, I want a parley, and Bronson says, we're doing a parley or a fight. Yeah. And, and so, well, yeah, no, he's he's doing it the right way. He said, look, we're, I'm going in to talk terms, and if you if you won't agree terms, then we'll fight. Yeah. But I'm doing it the right way. And and he does again, showing that he is actually. You know he's a he's a true blue knight. He's an honourable person. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas the Blackfish has just decided he's going to mock him and talk down to him. So now he's our villain. That positions him perfectly because you know Jamie is one of those characters that can confuse people. You know, depending. On, I personally like him. Not everybody does. He is a Lannister at the end of the day. He has done some fucking despicable things. So it, it you know it does a good job of clearly positioning him here as no he is the hero of this part of the story and the Blackfish is the villain. Yeah. This is what we're going for here. Um. So I think that all works really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll get muddied next. Is it next? It might be next week, or it might be the last one of the season where Brienne turns up. Um, yes. But then, then we do get it a bit muddled because because then we've got two, uh, two heroic characters at odds, which doesn't tend to bode well, especially in this show. I mean, if you, yeah, it gets muddier than that as well. Well, yeah, I mean, just from just from that, that particular episode is what I'm aware of thinking. But I mean, it's it's at the moment it's it's fairly clear where where we're where we're supposed to sort of align ourselves and that in the next couple of or next episode or whatever it is uh, with this storyline that becomes a lot more gray yeah yeah but for now they're setting it up perfectly i think um and then we go we kind of transition from that then into another kind of showdown between lords and ladies we're, we're over with sansa and john um trying to talk i forget which house it is now yeah trying to trying to talk them in um and again just juxtaposed to what we've just seen works perfectly because straight over again they're being talked down to you know they're being told how the starks have let them down uh time and time again and this you know for all for all of the stuff we've said about sansa first time out with the wildlings and we're saying this is not her place this is and she's fantastic Yes. You know, where she just, again, instantly just cuts him off at the knees. He starts listing all of these problems and she just, just cold ass stares him down and says, I would remind you that you are pledged to House Stark. Yeah. Like, no fucking around. 
Like, you are pledged to us. You are going to show up, or we are going to consider you an enemy. Like, just sort your shit out. Here's your one opportunity. Great. I love this Sansa, where she's just really strong, knows what she wants. But, as we said, there's a time and a place for it. And with the Wildlings, that wasn't it. Yeah. Um, So, but... You know, it's, it's quite a short scene, but yeah. I think it's just a really good one. And again, just establishing Sansa's growth. You know, this isn't meek, mild, timid little Sansa anymore. This no. is this is the Queen of the North. This is like, you are pledged to me. You are going to fight for me, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, it's great. She absolutely nails it. Um, and then we go over to Yara and Theon. Yeah. And it's a really nice character beat that we get yes. for him, I think. Um Although I, I did laugh um, mainly because a, 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 an alternate line popped into my head, whereby um, she's got the whore on her lap and um, Theon's looking sort of really uncomfortable, and she looks at him and sort of says, "Well, I still like it." Um, and in my head, I was thinking she should be a bit rough. Just say, "Well, nobody cut my dick off." And, but it, it's just that it was that sort of line where you say, "Well, fucking hell!" You know, it's it's again, it's, it's right on point. And yes. it's, it's been pussyfooted around so much that people mock him for not having it, you know, for, for being castrated, for, for being less of a man, all the rest of it. But, you know, this is somebody who's, you know, she purports to love him and save him and all this sort of stuff. And even she's doing it, but she's doing it in a way that scene progresses. Oh, no, I know she, where she apologized. Oh, no, I, I I don't set out to hurt you. I won't hurt you, little brother. No, but I need, I, I need you to be you. And it's a really, it's a really nice growing point where, you know, she starts at the same point as everybody else. And he's, you know, he, you know, he's this whip dog we're supposed to expect him to be. My big problem with this scene, however, is the same problem we had when Theon became Reek in the first fucking place. It took about half a nanosecond for him to go back to being a Theon. Yes. Um, and again, that that isn't a problem with this scene. It's a problem with everything that's come before. Yes. It. Problem with, with the Theon-Reek Theon yeah. story. Because actually, I think this scene is, is the best both of them have been in, in a long time. Well, I mean, Yara was fantastic, sort of staking a claim to the throne. But the relationship between the two of them here... I think is is the strongest it's been in the show, and I think we we do a lot to explore that. I really really like the character beats here. You've already um, mentioned the one that that I really like. You know, she says, "I will never hurt you, little brother." Like she's busted his balls or lack of. Um, but but she can do that because they're siblings. Yeah, so it's, it's even it's in from her a place doing of love. it, it's from a place of love. Yeah, and then she just cements that as well. You know, regardless of all the shit that's gone on, you know, let's not forget he did, he was fingering her when they first met. I, I was going to say, yeah. Um, you know, and then he he did cost the lives of a lot of her men when she tried to break him out and he couldn't do it. You know, there has been some shit between them, but ultimately they're still siblings. You know, and they have this this beautiful little moment in the middle of this busy tavern or whatever it is with whores everywhere. She says, "Look, I will never hurt you, little brother." Yeah. But I am tired of watching you cower. Like, wait, just basically wake the fuck up. Like, yes. sort your shit out. Like, and I think I can relate to this because, rightly or wrongly, this is my attitude to a lot of people in life when people come to me. And, and for some reason, and it, for most listeners, this will, you'll find this incredulous, I'm sure. But for some reason, a lot of people seem to feel like they can open up to me. So I tend to get, <laughs> I tend to get burdened with a lot of people's problems. Okay. And I will. I'm pretty sympathetic. I'm quite empathic. I will listen for a good period of time, but my advice is always the same. Just sort your shit out. Yeah. Like, I know that can be seen as hard and unfeeling, but I look, I'll do the thing. I'll listen. I'll, I'll do the thing just like she's doing here. And, and she's saying to him, you know, I'll always be there for you. But look, you've, you've had your time now. How long is this going to be an issue for you? Cause you can't be reek for the rest of your life. Yeah. And the only person that's going to be able to stop this is yeah. you so sort your shit out and I, that's just a conversation i've had with many people many times over in life <laughs> in different <laughs> so I, I i kind of reflect on that quite a lot when i watch this scene as well i think um mm. but yeah it, it, i think it does a lot for their relationship yeah. but i think again she's fantastic in it it sells his transition like yes it's quick but this does as much as it possibly could to sell it to us. And I think yeah, the, issue it, it is does. the issue is with everything before, not with this scene. Yeah, yeah, so. you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the, I mean, for one of the this is the shit I got off the pot scene. You know, this yes. is like, no, you're at the point now, we've done all we can. Now, either you sort yourself out or you quit bitching about it. Just fucking do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And the whole thing, you know, she says, now, if you, if you can't do it, if you can't get yourself together, put everybody out of their misery, not just yourself, but save us all the fucking effort. 
take a knife, cut your wrists, and just let us get on with them. No, let the grown-ups get on with the real thing. Just yep. stop fucking moaning about it. Um, and yeah, you know, it's. I mean, it's something that I said. You know, it's something that you, you experience from other people. You have, and there'll be moments in your own life where you, you have to make those decisions as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so any anybody watching that scene will think, oh fuck yeah, no, I, I, no, I can buy into that to a point, to a point, or I can relate to that to a point because of this. So it, it is a really good bit. And so, as I said, I, I like the scene, and I like no the fact that he know we are now at the point where he's realised that he can't just go on moping and you know, blaming Ramsey and being you know, meek and beaten for the rest of his life. But it's just, no, as I said, it's just the fact is it happens so quickly, like everything else, because the, the groundwork hasn't been done. Yeah, I mean... I've and that's written, the only frustration. The scene itself, I think, is phenomenal. It's great. I mean, I've written you. It is it is an amazing scene, but it would have just been absolutely just first class if Fionn had had a better journey to get there. Yes. Like, it, it would have been absolutely, like, real rousing stuff, like real, you know, yeah. punch the air, yeah, go on, Fionn. Yeah. If we'd just gone on that journey with him yeah. to get, well, that's him. it. I mean, even even to a point where like, he, when she says no, when she says no, I'll no, I'll never let, I'll never hurt you. I'll fight for you. I'll get justice for you. And he's, he immediately, I don't deserve justice. If I get justice, I'm dead. I said, well, fuck justice. I'm gonna get revenge instead. I don't care. I don't know. Just get you back. And again, all of this would have been so much better. So if we had, I mean, even when he was reek, we never got the side of him where. He was entirely penitent and no, 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 felt he deserved to be no to be the state he was in because of what he did, no, what he purported to do to Brandon Rickon, and what he actually did to the farm boys. You know, this whole thing. Had we seen any of this? Had we seen any real remorse from him rather than fear? Again, would have worked a million times better. Absolutely, and so yeah, what what I'm left with from this scene is it's an amazing scene that like really is an amazing scene. Um, great performances from both characters. Yes. It, it endears me towards Theon more than anything has in the past yeah but it ultimately i come away from thinking god just think how good those beats would have been if we spent six years on that journey with him yeah having said all of that for how much i praise them for sticking the landing with davos in the scene earlier on they absolutely dropped the ball at the end of the scene with one of the most awful lines that has ever been uttered in this show. And, it's and just again, terrible. It's entirely showing that it's, no, it's it's men writing women. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't uh, the, mind, I'm going to go fuck the tits off this one. Yeah. Now, if you really? don't mind, last night on show, I'm going to go fuck the tits off this one. Like, look, not even men, not even disgusting fucking men sailors would say I'm going to go and fuck the tits off this. That yeah. doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> what the fuck? That is the most juvenile writing. Yeah. that we've had yet. It's That's how, do I, how, do I, how do I get fuck and tits into the same sentence? That's exactly mm. how. How do we show? And it's slightly offensive as well because it's like we've established that she's into women. Yeah, That's fine. 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 She can be into women. She doesn't have to be a horrendously macho character to yes. be into women. That's not necessary. And actually, that's not what she's been to this point. Like, yes, she's been strong. Yes, she's a good warrior. But she's always first and foremost been a woman hmm. to the point where they ram it down her thro- our throats. A woman can't be leader of the Ironborn. Yes. You know, that's, that's her storyline. She's a woman. Let her be a fucking woman. She yeah. doesn't all of a sudden. Just because she's interested in other women, we don't have to make her masculine. No. Just And if, if you look at the difference, you look at, um, oh, fucking Illyria Sand. Where no, yeah. I mean, and the, there was the whole thing where she and Oberyn were introduced in season four, where uh, he explained that it doesn't no man, woman, animal, vegetable, mineral doesn't really matter. It's all about passion. So it doesn't, yes. no, it doesn't really. And they, they did such a good job of setting that up, and then it goes fucking nowhere. It's, it's never done again. And we go straight back to it as soon as there's any sort of homosexuality, it goes back to being completely over the top. Um, no, either in, in when you had the case of Loris and um, and Renly, where it was all. They were talking about pillow biters and buggery and all the rest of it. Or you get you know, this I said this overly masculinized female character because they can't deal with people being people. Yeah. And, and look, they, I'm, I'm fine with the saying, like, I'm going to go and fuck this poor or whatever. Like, look, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. But it just, just, I'm gonna, just to be so it's, it's just, disrespectful is, is what it, it is. Just isn't shows, it? it just shows, again, they don't, that, I think Brian Cogman wrote this episode, but doesn't understand the character. And doesn't understand, well, doesn't understand how to write women by the look of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, it's horrible. It, it pulled me straight out of the scene. Thankfully, it was right at the end, but yes. it was just, I was really enjoying the scene and that line dropped and it was just, it was a full on Esther Ranson, like, yeah. teeth coming out moment. It was, yeah, horrible, horrible stuff. Um, yeah, horrible. Um, so there's that. And then 
possibly the weirdest moment uh, in in our entire rewatch of this show. So we're back over with the Hound and Lovejoy, and the, and this group of riders come up, yeah, threaten them, and they have this back and forth between Lovejoy and the riders. It's very good. It's very tense. Again, the Hound's warned him what's going to happen, and yeah, he kind of knows what's going to happen as well. I think, but he's trying to talk his way around it. You know, he said, "Look, you're welcome to come for food, but we're not yeah. giving you food." You know, you're not going to take our supply, but you can come and eat with us. Yeah. Um. So, so that exchange is all good. The scene is all good, and then they end the scene by riding off and staying and saying, "Stay safe." Which, now in this environment, I'm just like, "Oh the fuck, where's yeah. that come from?" Like yeah. it really, it pulled me straight out of the show. I was just straight back to reality. I was like, "Oh, stay safe." That's about the fifteenth time I've heard that today. Yeah. Um, just weird. It struck me as so weird to hear it in the show, and, it, and that's. That's just a product of society that we're living in now. Yeah. But it just struck me as, as such a weird line to throw out. Stay safe. Yeah, it, it doesn't. I mean, the thing is, as well, I mean, it's if they and they'd said, um, what are you doing here? No, you, you sat somewhere else. No, no, we're looking for marauders or there's reports of bandits or something which you know, suggests there's a threat. Yeah. Then stay safe as, as, a, as a parting gambit works. Yeah. But as it is, it's like, it's not safe. Yeah, from what? I mean, yeah, okay, I get it. The intention is that, you know, smiling assassins and all. But stay safe just sounds weird. And I think it just sounds double weird because of the connotations it has, you know, with all the slogans that we've had in the last year, you know. But there's a million other ways. You could even be safe would have sounded better. Stay safe implies that you need to protect yourself from something. Yeah. Um, Really, really weird. Really, yeah, really fucking weird. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, good, good fucking scene. Um, yeah. And then we're, we're over, we're over with Arya, um, and she's yeah. decided that she's going home. Nice scene with her, you know, throwing the bags of coins and stuff like that. She handles herself well. Yeah, like like the scene. It's good to see this Arya again. But you know, I can't help but think she's now going home, having learned absolutely nothing. Actually, I think she's regressed because now having spent two seasons. With assassins who can be anybody. You're going to say exactly what my next note is here. Go on, Why take it away. Why the fuck doesn't she hide? Why the yep. fuck is she strolling around? Yep. My, I'm going back to fuck. I'm going back to Westeros. Yep. We're leaving at dawn and you, you have your money in the morning. Why is she stra- strolling around, strutting around as she owns the fucking place? Why is she not hiding in the deepest, darkest cave she can find until she can get on that bastard boat? Exactly. I mean, my note literally goes, I didn't read it verbatim, but my note literally goes, so Arya's going home having learned nothing. So little, in fact, that she exposes herself and is completely blindsided by the waif. Yeah. What a horrid, destructive waste of time this has been for her character. Yeah. That is my that is my note on the whole House of Many Faces. Yeah. Thing. The one thing that did make me laugh, though, because you get no, I, I remembered. Um, I, I can I can remember the shots and everything from watching it first time. Um, well, so no, the, the 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 creepy old woman coming up behind her, and you know who it is because she's making a beeline for us. You know straight away it's the waif and she's in danger. And stabs her, Aya chucks herself over the bridge, fine, you go to the, and then she's walking through, she pulls herself out of the water, and she's walking through the market street, and it, the only thing I think of was the opening scene of Carrie. But yeah, just covered in blood. Just yeah, covered yeah. in blood, and, and just being really uncomfortable, and just walking around, and everybody looking at her as if she's got the fucking plague. Yeah. And that was the thing that popped in my head. It was fucking hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a well-shot scene, actually, I think. You know, the camera's in tight on, uh, you know, yeah. we kind of we're rocking back and forth a bit as she's losing blood i think the scene itself is really well shot but just yeah. narratively no like, yeah, whole story box. i've i've moaned about this storyline since it started i am not going to stop now we're at the finish um it just it, as you said it, it completely regresses a character i think it's damaging to her character this storyline yeah uh, to the point where to be honest and i felt like this first time around as well if she did end up dying right now, I'd be like, meh, all right then. Yeah, I've kind of had it coming. Because I, I just don't give a fuck about her anymore at this yeah, point. I mean, you know, I... she's she's gone from being one of my favourite characters when she was kicking around with a hound and she was full of fucking anger and wanting revenge and stuff like that. She's gone from being one of my favourite characters to being the one that pops up on screen and I'm going, to being Danny essentially. She pops yeah. up on screen and I'm like, oh, fucking hell, time to go and make a cuppa. Well, that was it. I mean, I, I, I remember saying back in the first episode of, of this show, Io was always one of my favourite characters. But taking this kind of season and a half out, yeah, and the, if you keep the rest of it, it's fine. And where she ends this season, the, the, the her very last act of this season, which I won't get away because we've got a couple of seasons, a couple of episodes time. Um, but that is great. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm on board with that, and it puts her back on her track. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's getting to that, and this, this is just this is a step backwards for her. She's learned yeah. nothing. Absolutely. We, 
It's horrible, horrible stuff. Um, back over to the hound then to wrap the episode up. Lovejoy didn't last long, did he? Bless no. him. Um, well, maybe, maybe that's too on set, kind of. No, did for him. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's as we said. You know, we've already kind of addressed the issues with this. Um, the hound kind of watched that two and forth between them and, and had a word with Lovejoy as well, and just said, "Look, like men like that." You need to protect yourself from them and stuff like that. And again, he's preaching this way of peace. And I feel like that would have all worked really well given time, either given more breathing room in this episode or spanned out over two or three episodes so that Hound could maybe just gently come around to actually, yeah, I don't have to kill everyone I meet. I don't have to be horrible to everyone. Yeah. But he doesn't have time for that to sink in before this happens, before everybody gets massacred. Um, and so what we're left with instead, and maybe this is intentional, but my reading of the scene instead is that now this is the Hound's fault because he didn't protect them. Yes, he he didn't step up. Yeah, um, which is an odd place for him to go, I think, because that's, yeah. that's not something he's ever really given two fucks about, apart from where Arya and Sansa are concerned. Yes. You know, he's he's always been out for himself, really. And part of the joy of his relationship with Arya and with, with Sansa is the fact that actually these these young girls managed to crack that shell with him. And especially yeah. with Arya, you know, they really do get into this kind of big brother, little sister relationship almost. Yeah. You know, so there's, that's all good. But again, there's no time for any of that to sink in here. It's just, he just picks the axe up and he's like, right, you kill them all. Now I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah. And look, broadly speaking, that's fine. That's his character. So that's fine. I just think, what a waste, really. What a what a waste yeah. of time this this little bit of a storyline was with him. You know, you could have could have done a lot of work to reintroduce him and have him move on in the last two years. Yeah. But you haven't. No. So instead you get absolutely you get yeah, you get this. Yeah. So I mean and this you is know, what I say now you're on is it, it does it does smack as being slightly pointless because it hasn't really changed him. No, I mean I, I like the idea of it a great deal. You know, I like yeah. the idea of, of setting him on this redemption arc, which he was kind of on anyway with Arya, but this is sort of cementing that. And I like the idea of trying to redeem him, you know, and, and push him then towards vengeance when all of this goes wrong. You know, you yeah. send him through this cycle of, of redemption and learning to control his anger and things like that, and then ultimately he's got to explode again. But it just needed to stew more, is the thing. You know, yeah. That's that's the thing. Every time you see this storyline, it's always a slow burn. Wherever you see this trope, it has to be because you have to get under that character's skin. You know, it, it's Rambo doesn't become Rambo over the course of ten minutes. No, that's right. And I mean, I, I, we talked about it before in the show. I mean, we, we 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 have different opinions on it, but I mean, one thing I'll give Walking Dead credit for is when it does these separate stories, these side stories. They have a purpose. They yeah. they inform a character. So when that character returns to the main narrative, something about them has changed because of what's happened in that you know in the time that they were away from the group. Whereas yes. this, it just it just doesn't really you know because it's not been earned effectively. We've not spent the time with them. We've not had this one-off standalone episode or these couple of scenes an episode for the last four or five just to really cement it in. Or it it just it's. It's just a clumsy way of saying, right, we've got this actor under contract. We need him in for next season. So let's just fucking shoehorn him back in as soon as we can. And that's exactly what they've done here. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, it's a shame because I, I genuinely think there could be something excellent here. Yeah. Um, and they just they don't spend enough time with it. Simple as that. You know, as I say, he needs to be shown that path of peace before he can stray from it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a shame because, you know, Lovejoy's a good person to do it as well. You know, I, I thought he was he was doing fine in that mental role yeah. um yeah for whatever reason they just like they don't completely botch it what's here is enjoyable but again just like the stuff with theon it just could be so much better yeah. um so yeah i mean it is what it is we got it it's done the hound's back hooray um in general you know this is a thoroughly decent episode yes yeah. there's some really really good stuff um and then there's some just near misses i don't think there's anything that's horrible save for no, the online some slightly, some slightly hokey stuff i don't think anything's completely off kilter it's just not quite there no i mean the story hasn't really moved forward much this episode but we get some no, the only really thing we nice get, character work the only thing we did get actually which we um, we skipped over was um where uh, John Davos and Sansa go back to where Stannis had his camp. Um, yes. 
and also you know, the wildlings are fighting amongst themselves and then so Sansa then goes off she goes off and sends a raven to somebody we don't know who that's going to be obviously because now this show isn't predictable at all yeah. um but also it puts Davos back in that place because obviously last time we were here um Melisandre burnt uh Shireen yes so that's all going to that's all going to come to a head now sh- uh, shortly as well so it, it's important to, so it's important because we needed to get back to that point I'd forgotten how we got there actually I'd forgotten physically how we got to that place where he fight. I think it's the little deer he made her, isn't it? That uh, she yes. he finds. So um, that's a, that's important as well. So there's some, they are seeding some things as well. So again, they are now starting to write like a TV show, like a, like a, like a continuing drama, whereby they need to seed things a couple of episodes before to make them pay off. Yeah, that's not. This is the type of thing, and we've talked about this a couple of times. Certainly this season, but sometimes last season as well. It's starting to feel more like an episodic TV show than definitely bits is. of a book. Yeah, yeah, it it definitely is. Um, so yeah, it, whilst the story hasn't moved forward that much, as you say, there's been some stuff set up, and we've actually had some really, really fucking solid character work. Yeah. Um, and that that's as good as anything. You know what? I'll take an episode of character work. You know that that's absolutely fine because ultimately, whilst it might not directly move the narrative forward, it does inform where those characters go in. So yes, good with that. Um, is, let's hope we're back on track. Let's see. You know, it's been a bad couple of weeks. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, been a rough ride. Um, it's been quick, but it's been it's been rough. Um, but yeah, I mean, as as always, I mean, I'd love to know what people think. Um, we may have got this. Um, if you are listening, do you have thoughts uh, which are different to us, or if you agree with us and you want to let us know that as well, you can get in touch on Twitter at ddpodcastnet. You can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, where you can also get our previous episodes and our other shows as well. On Facebook and YouTube with the Double Down Podcast Network, so see us out there. That's uh, from be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, Google Play, Amazon Music. Like, share, subscribe, leave us a message, and we get back to you as best we can. But until next time, game over.